Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for July 25th. My name is Eric. I am the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF 21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all the horse racing stuff at ETOF 21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing on the old Instagram. How is everyone doing today? Can you believe summer is almost over? I mean, I looked down on the month. It was like the 25th. Are we kidding? It seems summer is going by in a flash. But anyway, we have a great show today. I'm going to talk a little bit about ROI baseball and people pissing me off. I'll be a little fired up during that. I'm going to mention some stuff about some people I shouldn't really mention about, but I need to get it off my chest. And then Sterling, the man, the myth, the legend from Silver Star Sports is going to stop by and we're going to break down a little AFC West. So let's just jump right into it. Baseball started this week. And the way I do baseball is I play dogs, okay? Because that way my ROI point, that means return on investment, drops down. So last night I played four dogs. One of them, the Giants, got canceled because Jeff Samarja wasn't the starting pitcher. So I always play pitchers listed. What that means, if the pitcher that is pitching doesn't start the game, the bet is null and void. Win or lose, you just get your money back. Okay, so I was 0-3 last night. And I'll be the first to admit I was 0-3. I have nothing to hide. The last four years in baseball, I have made money doing what I do. Because I understand ROI. And that means return on investment. So what do I mean by that? So let's say you are somebody that constantly lays minus 140. So you are laying 1.4 units to win one. If you win 60% of the time, that means you are netting 0.4 units. So imagine that. You are winning 60% of the time and you're netting 0.4 units. That sucks. And anyone that says that they make over... Sorry, that they net over 64% of the time is a fucking moron and straight up lying to you. And then if you're paying this person for picks, which I assume some of you guys are, you guys need to understand that you have to factor in your total cost to that to understand your break-even points. So the tout's break-even point is going to be significantly less than what your break-even point is. Do we understand that? Now we get to the people that are laying minus 116 parlays. Now you guys know how I feel about this. If you go 5-5 five and five playing a minus 116 parlay, that means you're risking 1 units to get 0.86 back. So you're risking 100 bucks to get $86 back. If you go 5-5, five and five, you lose 70 bucks. If you go 5-5 five and five on parlays, you lose 70 bucks. That's why I don't do shit like that. If you go six and four, you made a whopping $160. Is that good money for you guys? That's not for me. If I go six and four in a parlay, I want a high ROI. As some of you guys know, some days if I really like a soccer, four soccer bets, I will parlay them straight, and then I will do a round robin two and three, three ways. So Monday and Tuesday, I had plays I liked in soccer. I went four for four, so I hit the four-team parlay. Then it was two-way. Then it was three-way on Monday. And then on Tuesday, I went three and four. So I didn't hit the big parlay, but I had the twos and the threes. So I banked big doing those parlays. And that's the way I do it. Because if I do a parlay where I want multiple things to happen, I want a high ROI. 
it's I just don't understand why people don't understand this. If I want two things to happen, I'm not even making even money, long-term better, that's an awful bet, and you're going to lose money. And it just blows my mind how people don't understand that, and people pay people for money, excuse me, people pay people for picks that do that. I mean, if we look at my EPL right now, and EPL, all money lines, much like soccer, my I'm at 42%. I win 42% of the time in EPL. But yet, I'm up 29.92 units. Hmm. Which way do you think is better? My way or people that lay these high, these high money lines? The MLS tournament. And I never bet MLS, but I started doing it for this tournament. I'm at 38% with a 9.02 ROI point. Okay, that's how many units? 9.2. At 38%. And that's not counting the parlays I've hit. So I'm at 38% and I'm up 9 units. Now, what does that say about the way I do stuff? You know what I mean? Like, it just, it's just the way you guys got to simplify it and look at math. And then, like I said, your ROI point, if you're paying someone for picks, is going to increase if you have someone that lays these high money lines. So, I mean... It's just the way you guys want to look at stuff. And it, I'm not going to lie. Like, I always post my stuff. I don't fucking hide. I'm the most transparent motherfucker out here. And you have people, whack, what? You have big balls? I mean, if you guys want to talk shit and you guys want to lay your shitty bets, that's fine. I really don't care. I get talked shit to all the time. And I've had, some of you guys know what I used to do. And the big company I was asked to be a part of. And I said no, because I just don't like some of their personalities. And I think they're douchebags. And I'm just in it to win it for me. And I didn't want to be associated with those guys. So, and those guys, and I, those guys talk shit about me all the time. Well, not anymore. I mean, stuff is kind of pieced together. But they were pissed when I didn't go on board. And, you know, maybe I'm just going to go back to just doing my own thing. Because at the end, this is how I make my money. I'm trying to be nice and help you guys, and I'm giving you guys stuff for free, and I have people talking shit? Really? Really? I mean, it just blows my mind. And then I got people asking me about whale plays, locks. Okay, if someone says whale play lock, 100 unit play, they're a fucking moron, and they're lying, and they're scamming to you, trying to make you pay for their service, and hoodwink you, okay? Hoodwink you into spending money. All my plays are half a unit to four units. Half a unit to four four fucking units. Why? Because I actually buy games and I understand what it takes to make money. And like I said, I'm doing this to make money for me, my family, my loved ones. And I'm able to do the stuff in my life because of this. And I'm just trying to help you guys out. Like I said, I'm not fucking even charging money right now. And I don't even know if I will go back to charging money because of all these people that just irritate the crap out of me. With talking shit and just questions. Look, if you want to be one of those guys I send you plays, that's fine. Those are the people and the clients that I like and that I will do business with. But like I said, I don't even know if I'm going to go back to selling plays. Right now, the plan is for NFL, but I don't even know if NFL is going to start. So those of you guys that are asking, I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And I'm sorry. And as soon as I know what I'm going to do, I will gladly post it. And to those that are talking shit about my baseball plays, hey, 
you know, good for you. I'm sure you're a very successful better, but, you know, know who you're talking to. I just come here, I post my plays, and I do my thing. And some of you don't know, know about this. Way back in the day, way, 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 way back, the mothership. I used to do weekly stuff on, and I got into it with Chris Carter. And I got fired from the mothership because of I wasn't looked at as a quote-unquote big player like CC was. So, you know, I have those type of people like coming at me and me, me want, wanting to do work for them. And I always say no just because I don't want to be in that world again. And I had this other thing where one of the guys is in the news right now for something he did. And him and I, personality-wise, just don't get along. And the, the company I was part of, there was merging with this other company. And, I mean, I can't say the names because I signed, what is it, a non-discreet or whatever it is. I can't really talk about it. But if I just, in general, my lore says it's fine. And they wanted me to come on. And just because I didn't like this way that this other place did stuff, I can't, I, I said no. And this is a huge company, one of the biggest companies in the world. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. I mean, I'm out here for myself. I'm out here to make my money. And, I'm, you know, if I can help some of you guys, that's, you know, what I want to do. So, anyway, that's my little rant on that. Um, I also thought ESPN did Golik dirty. Uh, I think Mike Golik, I've had the pleasure of meeting Mike Golik a couple of times. Nicest guy in the world. Great guy. He answered all my questions. Very respectful to me. And I had actually conversations. Sometimes when you met these people like this, they're just slowly into themselves and can give a rat's fucking ass about you. Golik looked me in the eye, respectful. We had a dialect back and forth, and he was interested in what I do. Great guy. But, you know, he's going back to to uh, doing some college football. And I think he's going to be pretty good at it. Um, you know, I'm really not a big, you know, sports talk guy, but... You know, if I was at the gym way back when watching Mike and Mike, he did his best work, I thought, when he wasn't trying to be funny, when he was actually talking X's and O's. So hopefully this will kind of reunite him, and I think he's going to be really good at it. So, you know, I look forward to seeing him. Maybe I'll actually listen to a game with uh, some sound on it if he's doing it. Because, like I said, I don't listen to games when the other with announcers because I want to make my own decisions. I want to look at my own stuff. And that's just me. You know, you guys, like I said, if you guys want to do it, that's fine. But I like to make my own decisions and have my eyes do my work. So I thought he got done dirty. Um, but, yeah, you know, great day-to-day -day of sports. We have the UFC fights. I'll post my UFC fights later. Yeah, yesterday was a shit show. I mean, pipes bursting, dishwasher over flooding. I mean rental unit a pipe busted so i mean jesus christ it's like if it's not one thing it was another so yesterday was a fucking grind so i haven't watched the weigh-ins and those that know me i don't post bets with ufc until i watch the weigh-ins it's just what i do and yeah so you guys will have to wait for that i'm sorry um and then we got some xfinity truck racing we have mls oh mls how i love the one money line play and i'm I'm doing three props. I'm taking three props at a little higher price, try to, you know, 
get that ROI a little bit higher. So, and we have horse racing, you know, trucks, Xfinity, MLB. You know, it's a great day, great day of sports, multiple sports to choose from for that, so that's great. So we're going to continue Sterling from Silver Star Sports and I's breakdown of the NFL division by division. So let's bring on Sterling. So I'd like to welcome Sterling from Silver Star Sports back to the show. Sterling, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Excited to be on talking football. Exciting that the Players Association is getting some more details about the season. Maybe we might actually have some football. I am getting a little concerned, I'm not going to lie. Like when I saw that tweet that Schefter had when it showed um, Breeze and those other guys' uh, Twitter. Yeah. I got I got a little concerned. I I like I I was a little worried. I was a little worried cuz I need my football then. <laughs> yeah, I think football would be good for the nation. So. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I'm slowly morphing into an MLS fan, but there's not there's only <laughs> so much MLS soccer I can watch. So, but um today we're going to talk about the AFC West. That's this is going to be our last team in the AFC and we're going to talk about the Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders have an over under of seven and a half. They are eleven and a half to one to win the West, twenty-five to one to win the AFC, and sixty to one to win the Super Bowl. Defensively, they are twenty-fourth in total defense, twenty-fifth in passing defense, eighth in rushing defense. Offense, they were twenty-four in total. Ninth in passing and thirteen in rushing. What what do you think about this Raiders squad? The Raiders were a team last year that really surprised me. Um, at the beginning of the year, I sort of wrote them off. I didn't think Gruden had what it took to be a coach in the modern day, but he led this group um, very well, like nearly to the playoffs. Um, they performed his system to a T. But I expect some regression to mean. I think the Broncos and the Chargers specifically, they're going to take bigger jumps than the Raiders are able to sustain. So I think they'll regress a little bit. Um, looking at their schedule, one of my favorite metrics to use is ESPN's uh, FBI, which shows like the over-under of each team and then bases their how, schedule, how hard their schedule is going to be after that. Um, the Raiders actually have the third-hardest schedule. And if you look at their... Um, schedule on paper. They got some really tough games um, between New Orleans at New England, Buffalo at Kansas City, Tampa Bay at Cleveland, at the Chargers, and then Denver, and then Kansas City again, and then the Falcons. Like, that's a tough opening stretch. Like, um, so ultimately, I have this team going 6-10. and 10. I think they may be able to steal some wins with their um, grind it out, hand it to Josh Jacobs. And they just get the job done with their West Coast passing attack. But, yeah, I don't think they're playoff bound like a lot of Raiders fans expect. You made a great point about their schedule. I mean, this is their f- first five weeks going into the bye. At Carolina, Monday Night Football, home opener with more than likely no fans against the Saints. At New England with Cam now. Home for Buffalo, then at Kansas City. I mean, West Coast teams historically struggle going out to the East Coast for that early start. I mean, it's not 
unthinkable that this team could be 0-5, 1-4 going into the bye. Yeah, and even after the bye and stuff, so. I know, I mean, and then they go Bucks, Browns, I mean, it's just brutal. I mean, it is a brutal schedule, man. I mean, I actually have them at 5-11. and 11. I just, okay. I mean, basically the same as what you have. My big question is, let me, and I'll, I'll ask you this, is who's the chain mover? Like they need that first down. Who who who's the wide receiver that can, or the tight end? Or is it going to be Weller again? Like yeah, who's I think the it's going to be Darren Waller. But um, props to him for working on his game last year and having a breakout season. But uh, I don't feel too confident in him to repeat that success. And then Tyrell Williams is their chain mover at wide receiver, and um, that yeah. I mean, I'm he's, not really scared of that as opposing team. He's not really even a number one in my book, and I feel that all three wide receivers that they drafted are basically the same player. They're just field stretchers. And I feel that I I think Harry Ruggs has bust right all over him. And it's funny, like, I don't know if you remember, we were talking about uh, overdrafting fast wide receivers. And I said the team that comes to mind is always the Raiders. And sure enough, they overdrafted Rugs. I mean, I had Rugs ninth in my draft board. I'd have to look where I had him. I think I might have had him fifth or sixth. I mean, because neither one of us were that high on him, so I really think he's going to struggle this year. You mentioned Weller, who I thought was great, but they they brought in um, Witten. They also brought in another tight end, O'Leary, I, I believe. So why are you bringing in so many tight ends when you have a top five tight end already you know what I mean like I don't really understand that I love their offensive line to me the best unit they have is their offensive line I thought their offensive line performed great last year I thought it did a great job and I think they'll be able to stay in and keep the games competitive just because of how strong of that unit is and I think Jacobs could have a huge year it does kind of concern me though because they signed the kid Booker from um, the Broncos and I feel that could cut into his receiving work because at the end of the year, Gruden said we want to work him into the passing game more this year. And I thought, I think Jacobs was a steal in the draft. I think he was great. Mm-hmm. He was great. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you just said right there. And let me ask you this. Yes or no, is Derek Carr the Raiders quarterback in 2021? No, I, I don't think so. I yeah. think with how hard this schedule is playing out for them they're gonna have to see what Mariota has and it's not even gonna be Derek Carr's fault necessarily it's just like they're just not gonna be winning games maybe they'll try to look for a spark in Mariota Uh, whether he will be the quarterback in 2021 I don't think so I think they'll draft a quarterback next year but yeah and it's funny like it's not funny but it kind of goes back I mean the main thing and I hate to change subjects now is the NBA bubble and what I've always said about that is the these players, their um, earning potential is just X, like more than peak years. And people forget about Carr. I really feel if he didn't have that leg injury, that Raiders team would have won the Super Bowl that year. Really? I mean, they were really good. They were, yeah. I mean, they were insane, dude. Their defense was playing great because they had Mac, who was getting to the quarterback. They had Crabtree and Amari Cooper. 
Carr was slinging the ball all over the place. And they went into Houston with Connor Cook, their third stringer, as their um, as their QB. I mean, I always felt that if they would have won the Super Bowl, and can you imagine if they would have won the Super Bowl in Oakland? Carr, Carr would be a lifer there. There's no way sure. they would replace him. And now he's going to be Jameis Winston next year in the offseason, which is which is a little bit too bad because of that knee injury. So I have him at 5 and set 11. You have him at 6 and 10. Um, let's jump into the Chargers next. Net- oh, did you want to do the busts? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Not? My fault, my fault, my fault. No, you're good, you're good. Um, my bold prediction is, James, oh, it, is Gruden gets fired. Really? Wow. What's your gold prediction? I'm saying, or my bold prediction is they flip between Carr and Mariota at least twice. Like, they go to Carr, back to Mariota, then to Carr, and then to Mariota. Okay. Just hoping one of them works out and provides a spark that they don't ultimately get. And, okay, all right. My sleeper, and he's not really much of a sleeper because he had a great season last year. I just feel he's really undervalued right now. And I think he's going to probably end up as RB6. He's RB6 right now on my board. Uh, Jacobs. I just really think with this offensive line and the teeter tockering back and forth of quarterbacks, I think they're really going to pound the ball with Jacobs a lot more. And if he can become a factor in the passing game and PPR formats, I think it's great. Yeah, I also had Jacobs as my sleeper. Um, None of their wide receivers excite me where I expect to make a big impact year one. Um, Gruden may scheme touchdowns for Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, Ryan Edwards is still going to figure out his role in the NFL first. Um, Darren Waller, I don't really believe in it again. Hunter Renfro, he's going to have touches taken from him from all the new receivers that they bought in. So I feel like Jacobs is just going to be a staple of this offense. They're going to hand it to him, which you said that with that good O-line, He's going to get a ton of touches. So, yeah, Jacobs is my sleeper. And my bust, I mean, I've hated on this kid for no reason. I Just because I'm – I'm sorry. I've hated on this kid for what I saw on the field. Um, Ruggs. I, people are touting him like he's the next Tyreek Hill. He's not. I think his route running's weak. He can't high point a ball. He can't catch the ball in space. For me, he's – Bustering all over him, and he's already being overdrafted in these in these fantasy leagues. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Henry Ruggs is my bust. I feel like he, in his first year at least, will serve more as a decoy for this offense. Like the threat of him will be there. Okay. But he won't be used. You know, like because Derek Carr and both Marcus Mariota, they're both incredibly reluctant to throw deep. Like that's just not how their game is oriented, and especially with Drew's West Coast passing offense where it's a lot of dink and dunks. It will help to have rugs, but will they target him down the field? I, I, don't, I don't see it happening too often, at least year one. And I mean, like, I always feel with these wide receivers, like, you have to be good with the route tree. And, like, for those of you listening that don't know what that means, you have to be able to run all the routes. And historically, Alabama, their playbook is quits quick slant, 10 10 yards out, and flies. I mean, their wide receivers historically are great route runners, and I really worry about that with Ruggs as well. Um, 
So now let's jump to the Chargers. Chargers have a over-under of seven and a half wins. They are 8-1 to one to win the West, 16-1 to one to win the AFC, and 33-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. Defensively, they were 14th in total defense, 5th in passing, 18th in rushing defense. Offensively, 21st in total offense, 6th in passing offense, and 28th in rushing offense. What, um, Chargers, what do you think of these Chargers? The Chargers are actually the team I have the most notes about, just because I have so many different opinions on them. I wanted to get really bold and put them in the playoffs to go far, but it feels like year after year, the Chargers always have the roster, but they just have bad luck for some reason, and it's, like, unexplainable. Um, Whether it's, like, a major injury, a missed field goal on a big drive, a holding call, or, like, something always happens with the Chargers, and I feel for their uh, their small fan base, because, I don't know. But, um, I have this team going 7-9. and nine. Um, On the one hand, I can see everything clicking, because, as we talked about last week, we said money is one of the biggest motivators for an NFL player. And then all the impending free agents they have for 2021, listen to these guys. They got Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, Mike Pouncey, Tyron Taylor, and Desmond King. And then along with that, Derwin James, is gonna, uh, his contract is going to be coming up after that. So he's going to want to get paid soon. So maybe these guys will all work in a contract year and put it all together on the field. So that's a possibility. I will say the Chargers, because they have such a little fan base and that there's a lack of fans for this coronavirus situation, they will be one of the teams that actually benefit because that's always been a disadvantage for them. They're playing away games. But with a lack of fans, it will always be like those will be home games for them. It will be like more normal. And that's not to roast Chargers fans. It's just how it is. Their attendance numbers are always bottom of the league. So I think they could help be helped out with that. Um, Tyrod Taylor, a lot of people are worried about him at quarterback. And I get that. But I think last year, Phillip Rivers was trying to be the hero too much. And I mentioned how he like just felt the stress of being in um, San Diego and L.A. for 16 years or whatever it was. I think they'll be helped out by having Tyrod Taylor just play within the offense and then let this defense shine. Okay. I mean, what what record do you have them as? I have 7-9 and nine because I have a lot of optimistic notes, but I just know some reason it doesn't always come together here's my thing with them like you know like you and i talk football in terms of people i talk football with you're you're a top five guy and you know that the thing i love the most is offensive line and i really feel that in terms of offensive line i feel that theirs is the most improved i mean they bring in turner from the Panthers, okay. They also tr- brought in um, the guy Blanca from. Yep, they Blanca. also brought him in, and more importantly, guess who also they brought in? They brought in the Packers' offensive line coach. So when Brian Balaka was having his best seasons, that was the guy coaching him. So I really feel that in terms of offensive line, 
this is the best offensive line that's been there since the LT days. I really feel that their offensive line is great, and it's going to give Taylor time to do stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just don't trust Tyrod Taylor. I really feel that he's a Colt McCoy type guy. You know, a guy that you can rely on if a starter is hurt to come in and like manage the load for a couple of games. But in terms of having him be able to get you to a uh, a division championship or even a playoff berth, it will be tough. I mean, I think this defense is great. I thought they underachieved last year. And even though when they underachieved, they still were in the top half of total defense. And when you have two pass rushers in Ingram and Bosa, a decent secondary and an improved linebacker core, I mean, this could be a crazy thought, but... Do you think the defense could carry him to a championship like the Ravens defense did back in the day? I wouldn't say championship, but if they're in the AFC championship game, I wouldn't be surprised. Even though I have them 7-9, I could see everything clicking, and I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. Because, I mean, this defense is legit, and their offensive line is great. Um, I kind of worry, though, about Keenan Allen. One of the things I do is I look at three-year production, and... The two people that surprised me the most were Keenan Allen's production and Jarvis Landy's production over three years. And without Phillip Rivers there, and you're reading these reports that the Chargers are going to be more of an offense like the Ravens, I just don't know how much Allen's going to factor in. I mean, I'm really worried about his production this year. I really thought about that. And then also, Austin Eckler. Uh... I posted about this as soon as Rivers left. He had 93 receptions last year, which was insane. But Rivers doesn't throw the ball downfield. So that a lot of that was dink and ducks. And granted, he did have a lot of rushing yards the first couple of games when Jackson and Gordon were out. But as soon as Jackson came back, his carries were cut down, and then when Gordon came back, they were cut down even more. He only had—he didn't even have 600 yards rushing in the year. He only had 554, and you're telling me he's the lead back? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see him as a lead back in the NFL. What What do you think about Eckler? It sort of remains to be seen because he definitely hasn't shown the ability to be the feature back. But if I look at this roster. J.C. Jackson, they had drafted Joshua Kelly, um, and then there's one other running back I'm missing who's escaping me at the moment, but he's going to have to be, so I'm curious to see how his production looks. Um, but right now, I like him for the role he played last year, but whether it happens again this year, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I, I just, I'm not, he he's on my fantasy football avoid list i'm working on this like guide and he's he's on the top of my list of avoids um and then i like you said like there's always something with this team they always underachieve they always put themselves in position i have them at nine and seven i know that sounds a little crazy but i feel their defense is going to be able just to win them some games and if tyrod taylor can just manage it i i think they can have a winning record it's funny you say that because we're. I actually wrote these right before, like you called. And I had the Chargers at 
nine and seven. And I was like, oh, is that too crazy? Because the Chargers are one of those teams, I'll admit, growing up that I really liked for like LaDainian Thompson. He was like my favorite player growing up. So I was like, mm, is that like biased? I was like, no, but this defense could be really good. And ultimately, I decided on seven and nine because I was like, it, it just never goes right for the Chargers. Like last year, they were the big, this, I had them at 11 and five last year, and that didn't go well. So. And I mean, we we commented about the Raiders' schedule. I mean, if you look at the Chargers' schedule, they start off on the road, okay, at um, at the Bengals, and that's a later start time, so that that helps them, okay. Mm-hmm. Then they catch catch the Chiefs at probably the best possible time after the Chiefs open the season at um home, celebrating winning it all against the Texans, and then right before they have to travel to a Monday night game to play the Ravens. So it's a nice little sandwich spot right before that Ravens game. Panthers at home. Then they go at um, Tampa Bay, at New Orleans. Both both East Coast teams, they can just stay on the East Coast, not travel back and forth. And then this four-game stretch, they have Jets at home. Very nice four-game stretch. At Dolphins. Jaguars at home, Raiders at home. I mean, I have them winning all four of those games. And I just think the schedule, like how it plays out, like is is great for them. And I that's why I came to this nine and seven. I just don't know um what part of the game is coaching. What what are your thoughts on Lynn? I mean, I go back and forth on this guy all the time. Like the Chargers just have so much talent. Well, another interesting fact about the Chargers, I'll, I'll say before I talk about Lynn, is they went 2-9 in games decided by 7 points or less last year. So at that rate, I have to just look at the coaching and be like, he's not getting it done because your team can't afford to lose that many games yep. in a close game. Um, I don't think he's a bad coach necessarily because I also think that the Chargers are just an unlucky franchise, like I mentioned. But um, is he the guy to lead them to like the Super Bowl or Promised Land or even a division title? I don't really know. He hasn't really shown too much for me personally. What do you think of him? I, I, I just feel like you said, this team has so much talent that they should be better and should have playoff wins and at least one Super Bowl appearance. I mean, think about it. You have Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa rushing the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then my, one of my favorite players in the NFL, Derwin James, doing yep. all safety. Yep. I mean, I, I I, don't know. This team, like you said, they just always underachieve. Maybe. They're just frustrating to talk about. Immensely. Let's, but let, yeah. let, let's go with a bold prediction. I am... My bold prediction, even though they go 9-7, and seven, they miss the playoffs, and Lynn gets fired. Okay. My bold prediction is Herbert is the new Rosen. Watching okay. uh, Justin Herbert at Oregon, I didn't see a pro, or like an NFL-ready starter, you know? I don't think he's ready to come in here one and start. And I feel like Tyrod Taylor has been labeled as this backup type, so if they start losing, they're going to throw in their brand-new, flashy rookie. And so Herbert's going to get thrust in there before he's ready. And even though the Chargers made improvements to their O-line, I don't think it's enough with their left tackle spot. And then um, 
to protect Herbert. So Now, you ready for this stat to blow your mind? Now, and I think I said this when we talked NFL draft. Herbert, no, sorry, the Oregon Ducks led the nation in percentage of screen passes with 21.8% last year. If Herbert's supposed to be this tall guy with his big arm, why the hell are you running screen passes all the time? It just doesn't seem, you know what I mean? It doesn't connect to me. Um, my bust, I already said it, is Eckler. I just don't think he can maintain what he did last year. And those 93 receptions, that's 93 fantasy points he's not getting. My bust is going to be uh, Mike Williams. Okay. I feel like I can, see, I can see him making a jump, but at the same time, a lot of his receptions last year were uh, the few times Rivers would throw it deep down the field, and then he would just go up over guys and win those contested catches. Not to say he can't do it again, but um, I know Tyrod Taylor is much more uh, reluctant, waits till there's like a perfect window, throws it short, you know, type of guy. So, all right, I I actually have two sleepers, so I'll let you go first on the sleeper. My sleeper is going to be Hunter Henry. Ever since he entered the league, I feel like he has the potential to be a top three to five tight end. But I've just been waiting on him to show it because he had to wait on Antonio Gates' retirement years. And then he got injured recently. But when you watch him play, he's got the blocking, he's got the route running, he's got the hands. So I think this is the year, especially with Tyrod Taylor starting the year, he'll look for him short over the middle so he'll get a ton of catches. I think this is the year Hunter Henry really breaks out and I'm drafting in almost every every draft I'm in. And also they said they're going to run the Ravens offense and we all know what a big factor Mark Andrews was in the offense last year. Mm-hmm. Hunter Henry was the initial guy I wrote down, but then I changed it to the defense. I really feel like when people are drafting yeah, I also defenses, had the defense I just feel well, oh yeah. I just think the defense is just being undervalued right now with where you can get them and with you have one of one of the better safeties, a good secondary, good DBs and two great pass rushers. I mean, this second, this defense is just totally being overlooked. And Kenneth Murray is an immediate upgrade over the linebackers they were running out last year. So. Oh, huge upgrade. I mean, this defense is going to be, I'm going to say it, they'll be a pro- probably be a top three defense next year in fantasy football. I think so. Um, so now let's jump to a team I'm insanely high on. I have been high on this team for a while now. Uh, the Denver Broncos. Over under of wins seven and a half, ten to one to win the West, twenty five to one to win the AFC, and fifty five to one to win the Super Bowl. Defense last year ten in total, eleventh in passing, sixteenth in rushing. Offense twenty eighth total, twenty eighth passing, and twentieth in running. Talk to me about these Denver Broncos. I love what their front office has done. You talk, to, you talk a ton about how the second year is the year for quarterbacks to make that big jump. And they have surrounded Drew Locke with every weapon he can ask for. Whether that's, uh, he'll have a solid run, run game, a good offensive line, and a plethora of weapons um, to work with and get better at. So if, that, if they don't make the playoffs this year, or if Drew Locke doesn't show strides, they'll know it's on Locke and not on their roster building. So I think that was excellent front office execution. Um, I just think it makes 
so much sense for them to take the next step um, between Locke and then that defense, even though it's aging for some, or some pillars are aging, like uh, Von Miller, there's still going to be a really good defense. And I, yeah, so I'm overall positive with this team. And you didn't mention the best addition, my boy Cushing. <laughs> your boy. I mean, like, you know I love this kid. And immediately <laughs> he's going to come in and he's just going to make everybody better because he's going to be able to recognize the blitz scheme, the coverage. He's going to help Locke so much. And I'm not going to lie. I was really high in this team. I locked him in. Ten, like I, I think I have him at 11-1 to win the West. I really like him. And... I'm starting to get worried, though. And the reason I'm getting worried is twofold. Number one, Colin Cowherd's been saying he likes this team. And Colin is, like, the ultimate mush when it comes to, like, football. I mean, so I'm a little bit worried about that. And the second reason is, yes, Locke looked good last year. I love the way he steps into the throws. Like, everyone hears me talk about Tua. But if you watch Locke, he drives in with that front foot, transferring his weight, and he throws through the target. And I love to see that from a quarterback. I love mechanically-wise what I saw from Locke. The thing that worries me, though, is this is a new system. He's going to be running that Pat Shermer play-action, two tight ends, take the deep shot when you have it system. And I feel that the lack of training camp is really going to hurt him pick it up. What do you think? I'll spoil my record prediction here. I have them at 8-8, eight eight, but that's not to say I don't like this team, but there's just some reservations I have. For one, it feels like every analyst that I follow in the national media is super high on the Broncos. And I don't yeah. like to just hop on the trend. And then also with Locke, he's just got a lot of young weapons coming in, a lot of moving pieces between Melvin Gordon coming in at running back, and then we got K.J. Hamler, coming in at wide receiver. We got Jerry Judy coming in at wide receiver. And then Noah Fant's only going to be in his second year. That's just a lot of pieces to incorporate in a limited training camp. Um, I don't know if it'll come together as quickly as they hope. But, like, you mentioned all that weapons and the job that the front office did. I mean, just think about it. They have so many... Now, if it, I'm talking about, obviously, if it does click here. They have so many ways of beating you. Like, mm-hmm. they have the running back where they can ground and pound with Gordon, and their offensive line, which was a weakness last year, has been improved. They have that precise route runner in the slot in Jaron Judy that can go out there. They need a field goal. He can run that precise 20-yard out and get to the marker so they can make that field goal. They have the number one in Sutton that can high point a ball, win a one-on-one battle, and can be that go-to guy. And then they have, um, who's the kid from Penn State? You mentioned his name. I'm spacing on KJ Hamler. They got the speedster that can just beat someone and go deep one-on-one. And then they have, I'm not even going to attempt to say his name, the kid from Missouri, Michael O, that big tight end they drafted. And they have Noah Fant, so they can run two tight ends, and they can those both got both those guys are quick enough to beat linebackers, you know, work in the middle of the field and the seam. I just feel they have so many ways of beating you. I just worry that the lack of the training camp to get everyone on the same page could hurt them. That's why I'm starting to worry about now. I mean, when I 
went through records and I did records, I believe it or not, I have an 11 and 5. And, but I really feel those first three games will tell me exactly what I need to know about them. If they go two and one, I think I'll be, I'll feel confident that I'm right about this team making the playoffs. If they don't, I feel that, you know, it's like you said, eight and eight season, a little bit of a disappointment because I really feel that Monday night game at home, they should win that game. And, Going to Pittsburgh, that's the game I have them losing because I think Pittsburgh's going to lose to the Giants. And then Tom Brady has always struggled at Denver. And if they can beat that Bucks team at home and be 2-1, and one, I'll be fully confident about this team. Yeah. Um, they do have kind of a tough schedule. The yeah. ESP, the FBI metric ranks them as the third hardest schedule. But one thing that is positive, though, is the, a lot of the hard teams they play, they have them at home, yep. like Buffalo, uh, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Tennessee. Yeah. Yep. I mean, like, you look at that schedule, I can tell everyone right now, the, for the people that like my bets, they're going to straight up lose that game at New York at the Jets on October 1st. So I don't care what the point spread is, I'm taking the Jets. Because there's no way they're winning that game. I mean, especially if they beat the Bucks at home on the 27th. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that game, the 25th, right before the bye, October 25th, against KC. I really feel that's going to be a, one of the better games of the year. You know, the young team on offense that's coming up wanted to take on the defending champs. I am really, I'm really excited about that game. What, um, so I have an 11-5. and five. I had eight and eight just because I don't know if it'll click. Okay, which I'm starting to worry about now. Like the more I think about stuff, and the more of them, the season, like no preseason and, and learning the new offense. But Shermer is a really good coordinator. He's kind of like that Norv Turner that you know coordinators like the top of the line he can get with him. So what? What's your bull prediction? still trying to figure one out because I don't think they'll be the Super Bowl darlings or well I guess that is my bold prediction but it's not too bold it just seems more bold because of what I've been reading but the Denver Broncos aren't the playoff the offseason darlings everyone anticipated them to be and they missed playoffs at 8-8 eight eight. okay I have it that Big Vic wins coach of the year now granted I did this when they were 11-5 and five and I wasn't as worried about the schedule but I really feel that his defense plays in the league and he's showing that with how long he's been around. And I just think that if they are competitive and actually win the West, he'll win coach of the year. Um, who do you go with with for your bust? Um, Melvin Gordon, just looking at his career as a whole, he just hasn't really been that productive of a, a running back. Well, I mean, he'll, he'll get to the end zone and goal line situations, but I'm talking more, like just yards per carry and so he's like averaging four yards per carry for his career and I feel like with Lindsey he's so young and such a good receiving back that he'll split plenty of time between the two and then also do they still have Royce Freeman or oh they do and here's the funny thing like I was looking at um, catch rate 
Freeman has a better catch rate than Lindsay, and that really blew my mind. Does he really? Yeah. So, love. So, let me say this: Do you think Freeman could overtake Lindsay as the third uh, down back? I don't think so, but I know that there is. It's going to be a three-headed monster, so I just am not too excited about that backfield as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I could totally see that too. I went with Sutton as my bust. I just kind of feel that he had that big year last year, and people are overhyping him, saying he's going to be a top 15 fantasy player and a top uh, 10 wide receiver. But I just think that there's more mouths to feed. And with more mouths to feed, you have to remember there's only one football. And he's not going to get as many targets as he had before because the ball will be spread out more because, you know, they surrounded – lock with so many weapons um who's your sleeper jerry judy is gonna be my sleeper i just i loved him coming out he was the most polished route runner in the entire class i think for a young quarterback that's gonna help tremendously to have a guy who already understands coverages on it at a great level and can get open and understands how to gain separation um that he's going to get open underneath for Locke to get some easy throws and gain some rhythm. I have Noah Flan. I just, I liked what I saw from this kid. I think he's going to be a bigger factor in the uh, Pat Shermer offense with the play action and him working the seam more. And I think he, in the world of fantasy tight ends, if you got to find the next Darren Weller, who kind of, Waller, excuse me, who kind of came out of, the blue last year, you got to find that next guy. And I feel Flant could be that and put up decent numbers. I agree with you, too, because I originally had Flant, but I was like, oh, let me go Judy, just because he's not getting as much of the recognition as I expected him to. That's funny, because in my notes, I put Judy and Fant, and I put go with whoever Sterling doesn't go with. Uh-huh. Um, so the next team we're going to talk about is the defending champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Their over-under of wins is 12. They are minus 350 to win the AFC West. They are plus 350 to win the AFC and plus 600, so 6-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. Their defense last year, 7th in total defense, which kind of really surprised me, 8th in passing defense. 26 in rushing defense. Offense, 5th in total, 5th in passing, 23rd in rushing. Um, what do you think of Andy Reid's Kansas City Chiefs? Um, not a whole lot to say about them. You, I, I mean, we know who they are. High-flying offense. The defense is going to be all right. Um, they re-signed Holmes to that mega contract. Uh, also re-signed Chris Jones as well. It's they're, yeah, they're going to be in contention yet again. I don't see any steep drop off from them. Andy Reid's got this offense clicking like a well-oiled machine. The only thing I'm worried in the future about, or well, more so in the future about them, is just the team building challenge, like building around that five hundred three million dollar contract. Yeah, I mean, that's odd, but I think it's backloaded, so I mean, that's why they're able to do it. I think I think it's bigger for them this year is 
they were able to sign Chris Jones, and I think Jones is pretty underrated. And having that guy who's able to get to the quarterback, so the quarterback has to speed up through his progression and everything, is huge. Especially when I feel I feel their secondary losing Fuller to the Redskins is taking a huge step back this year. And they, when you look at the weapons that the Broncos added and the receivers that the Raiders added, even though we don't like them, you have to have people back there to cover them who are efficient in their job. And I just feel that their secondary is taking a step backwards, but keeping Jones and signing Jones will be able to hide that deficiency a lot just because the quarterback will have to speed through it. I'm a little worried about the O-line. I felt the O-line played over their um, capabilities last year. Mahomes... Oh, sorry. Mahomes was sacked the third fewest. Now, is that credited to the offensive line or Mahomes' mobility or a combination of both? I think uh, I think more so Mahomes' ability, or mobility because okay. he had a unique ability to um, sense pressure, get it away, and then he's got a quick release. So, uh-huh. I I don't know. I just I'm just worried about that. And then, like the running backs, like how is that going to shake down? You have Damon. Demon Williams, who he was great in the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Like in the in the Super Bowl in the first half, I mean yeah, he, he was, was MVP the MVP at the time. He was their best player, and is he just going to give the job to Kyle Edwards Alaire? I don't know if you remember, but when we were talking, did our draft special? I was they were my first day losers because I was adamant they should have drafted a pass rusher. Because of the uncertainty of Jones, and I think Alaire is just a five foot eight guy that can't run in between the tackles and can't pick up pass blocking. And if you can't do that, how is he going to get on the field? Um, I feel differently about Edward Taylor. Okay. Um, I feel like he's actually going to be my fantasy football sleeper because when I look at Andy Reid and his offense, it's so fantasy friendly to running backs. So I feel like he'll be able to come into this offense. I think they know Damian Williams isn't, like, a true feature back, so he'll be able to um, take the load of the carries and then just hit those holes and then catch out the backfield, which I think he can. He showed he developed a connection with Burrow, and then Burrow also had really high praise to say about him as one of the best players he's played with. I just don't see how, like, Williams is going to give up that job. And when I look at Edwards Alaire, like, he just reminds me of Darwin. Was Darwin Thompson? Like they're basically the same size. I'm just not an air layer guy. Um, I have this team at eleven and five. What do you have on? That's what I have. Eleven and five. And so I mean, taking the under the twelve wins. But oh, yeah. I already bet that under big of twelve wins, man. I already have that bad boy locked in. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they start the season one and two. I mean, I see. I I, I have a beam the Chiefs when they raise the banner. But they traveled to uh, Los Angeles. I caught myself. I almost said San Diego. They traveled to Los Angeles to play the Chargers, which I think is going to be a tougher game. And I think see they could lose that. And then they go Monday night at Baltimore. I mean, I could easily see them starting the season one and two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, complacency could set in. Yep. Really easily. So. Yep. And then... Um, 
I my bold move now. This is going to sound crazy, and I'm a, you're going to call me a Cushionberry Homer. I say they don't win the West. I say the Broncos win the tiebreaker. The Broncos win the West. Oh wow, um, yeah, that is bold. Uh, my bold prediction is they don't make the AFC champion. Or they, yeah, they don't make the AFC championship. Okay, all right. I, which I don't have them making that, so I totally agree with you on that. Um. Who is your bust? My bust is going to be Miko Hardman. I feel like he averaged something ridiculous, like 20.7 yards a catch last year, which I know he's a speedster. Um, but I don't know. I just don't feel like that's a sustainable um, or yards per catch to offer any fantasy value. He would, like, disappear in some games and then have, like, go off because the cheat's offense the Chiefs offense so I don't really like him and those players as like day or week to week fantasy players to rely on so my bust is I already said it Edwards Alaire I like I said like I said before I just I just feel like if you can't pick up the pass blocking you're very limited with your time on the field and I don't think he can run between the tackles because he is so small and I just don't think Williams is going to give up a, the job and also, Andy Reid's wanted to win a Super Bowl for how you know, every coach wants to win a Super Bowl, but, he's, but you know what I mean. Like he had all those Eagles teams where he had a one guy a feature back. Last year, when he finally ran it, won it, excuse me, it was a running back by committee. So after you win something, doing something one way, you think he'll continue it where he won't just commit to one guy. And I, I think all that stuff, just the lack of touches, really hurt his um his production now who who do you have you obviously have Edwards Alaire as your sleeper as you said yeah I'm a believer in him but um what about your sleeper well it's funny because we're completely different I actually have uh Hardman as my sleeper Uh, and the it's Andy Reid trusts him there was this time um it was the AFC championship game and Tyreek Hill was back there for a punt and there was a punt to him, and he fumbled it. And after that, he wasn't back there again. It was Hardman that was back there returning the punts. And that kind of showed me that Andy Reid has an immense amount of trust in this guy. Okay, For him to take Tyreek, who's obviously the wide receiver star, out of that situation. And then also, Tyreek signed that big contract. He, he has another big contract, right? Is, did he sign one a couple of years ago? Um, I believe he did last season, last season there. And the season before last, yeah. I just feel like for them to be able to, like you mentioned it earlier, a full squad or a decent squad, Tyreek's not going to see that contract out. And you got to start building another wide receiver one. And I feel Hardman is that guy. I feel he is a better route runner than um, Tyreek Hill, just as fast as Ty- I mean, obviously not just as fast, but he is a speedster. You know what I mean? I just feel he could be a number one guy just because they need to eventually move Hill because they can't feel the team. I just feel they're going to pepper Hardman with more targets and mold him to that number one guy. If that sound makes sense. Um, so let's review this. I have 
the Broncos 11 and 5, then the Chiefs 11 and 5, Broncos winning the tiebreaker, Chargers 9 and 7, Raiders 5 and 11. Okay, I got the Chiefs winning the division at 11 and 5. I've got the Broncos missing the playoffs at 8 and 8, and then the Chargers coming in third, missing the playoffs at 7 and 9, and then the Raiders will finish 6 and 10. But we both agree Chargers could sneak up on some people. Yeah, and then I also agree with you. I wouldn't be too surprised if every if everything does click for the Broncos, they could be in for a really big year, and they're a sneaky Super Bowl. But I mean, I really, I'm really looking forward just to seeing this play out because you got you got the Chiefs, which Mahomes is great. You got the Broncos, that up and coming quarterback with a young offense, and you got the Chargers with just the nails defense. I mean, I really think this is going to be an entertaining division, and I'm really looking forward to it. I like, yeah, I love this division the most, just because it's so unpredictable what can happen. Like, I mean, obviously we know that the Chiefs are guaranteed that they're going to be up there, but the other three teams, like, they could go either way, you know? Oh, yeah, and like, you mentioned before, Gruden did such a great job coaching, he could just be able to will this team to a couple, a couple dubs which wouldn't surprise me. Um, Sterling, you are the man. I appreciate all the time and effort you put in this coming on, always talking football, always a great conversation. Why don't you remind people where they can find you? All right. Find me on Instagram. Um, my handle is going to be Silver Star Sports. That's with uh, Silver Star and then an underscore underneath or in between the sports. So Silver Star underscore sports. Um, post there pretty frequently uh, been busy I'm in the process of moving but once I get finished with that I'll be posting back to normal have a more in-depth breakdown of each of these 32 teams for you all to read um, but yeah and then basketball season's coming back up shortly so I'll be posting about that so join yeah cause you I'm still waiting to see what, what number 30 is man I mean I'm patiently <laughs> waiting to see what number thirty is and it better not be the I Lions, mean, man. It better not be the Detroit Lions, that's all I'm gonna say, man. No, I've come <laughs> around a little bit more on the Lions recently. Okay. I've done more research. But it I can't even do number thirty, sort of, just because they don't even have a name. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Alright, so you're you're waiting for the big name announcement. Uh it's kind of. I could just do them, but yeah. Okay. That's who it's going to be, though. Okay, Sorry. so when, when we're speaking of this team from DC, another <laughs> bold prediction. What do you think their uh, what, do you, what do you think their name will be? I said monuments at first, but then I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. I I, I really don't know. Actually, I'm I'm excited to see because I haven't. I feel like I haven't seen this in a long time. Like a, a team rebranded. I would love it to be the Hawks. Washington Hawks. No, the Hogs. Like, remember, like, oh, Hogs. Well, like that's what their old line was back in the day, man. The the Hogs. So I would love it, but you know, we'll we'll dive into that. Actually, you know what? Why don't we announce right now? Let's do uh, let's do your Giants in the East next time. All right, sounds good. All right, so Sterling, thanks for coming on. Everyone appreciates you. I always get a lot of positive feedback from everyone how much they like you. So make sure you guys follow them, and we will talk to you guys next week about the NFC East. Thank you for Sterling for coming on. You know, always a great follow. Donates a lot of his time. He's in the middle of moving and everything, and he came on to do that, so I really appreciate that. Also, I made a post. Anyone that's ever come on here, um, Alpha, Shy, 
Black God off the post Boston Sports. Thank you guys for coming out here. You guys, you know, I can't thank you guys enough. You know, I enjoy doing these podcasts. Thank you for everyone that's listening. Stay safe. Understand ROI points. If you guys don't understand any of that, you know, slide in the DMs. I'll be more than happy to help you guys out with that. Wear your mask, stay safe, and uh, let's cash some tickets today, boys and girls.